0: does talking about your money make you cringe are you tired of fighting about finances do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness then you are in the right place welcome to breaking money silence a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money your host kathleen burns kingsbury is doing what she does best as a young girl she was scolded for talking too much to her neighbors in class. After years of trying to be quiet, she discovered that speaking up about taboo topics is her strength. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. She is a wealth psychology expert who has helped thousands of advisors and clients communicate more effectively about money. Now listen to Kathleen as she assists today's guest in busting their favorite money myth wide open.
1: Our guest today is Michael Thompson. We recently connected regarding our shared interest in helping clients talk about money and break money silence, and so I am thrilled that he's able to join the podcast today. Michael Thompson is a financial planner. He has over 18 years of experience in the finance industry. He has worked extensively in financial planning, wealth management, and philanthropic planning for retirees, executives, and entrepreneurs. Michael is also an entrepreneur, experiencing success when he founded an organic food distribution company while attending the University of Florida. He remains passionate about small business and sustainable food systems. Please welcome Michael to the podcast today. So, Michael, I'm really excited that you're on the Breaking Money Silence podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. Me too. Now, I know you picked a myth that is near and dear to your heart. So why don't you tell the listeners the myth that you decided you want to bust wide open today?
2: Very good. Yes, um, it is near and dear to my heart. You know, I am I'm just super passionate about how people um use their money, direct their money and and helping people feel empowered that they can do amazing things with the money they have no matter what. So my myth is that philanthropy some people think philanthropy is only for the super wealthy and and we hear about that in the in the news in various ways these days good and bad. But it's really not. There's so many ways that, that everyone can um, make a difference with their, with their money. So I love working with people and helping them align their values with the, their planning and their investments and their wealth management and you know, doing, doing good things.
1: Great. So the, the myth is philanthropy is only for the super wealthy, and you want to bust that wide open. And before we get into kind of different ways in which we can look at that myth, um, you said that you were passionate about it, but is there any story or anything that relates to why you're so passionate about philanthropy and, and helping people uh, who have various resources uh, engage in philanthropy?
2: I think so. You know, well, a couple, of, a couple of reasons. I mean, one is sort of personally, I I have been in this, in this business for 20-something years, but I got started, I had a career before this um, in the organic food world and got started in that really in college because like many people of my generation, what I cared about is saving the planet and saving the world and got all involved in organic food, built a business, had a, had a fair amount of success but I've always been very passionate about the environment, about uh, social mission, and, and, and doing good. And so personally, translate that into the work that we do every day, helping clients with their wealth. But I also came to the realization that there are, only a, few, there's, there are a few very simple truths about money. One of them is that you know our money can only go a certain place, a few um, specific places. In other words, we can use our money for ourselves or our family. We can give money to the government, or we can um, give money to others or to or to charity. So, in in almost every aspect of the wealth management and the planning that we do, it kind of boils down to those simple things. And I, sometimes people don't realize that, and they think that taxes, money to the government. Um, and other things are are really a given and the truth is people have a lot more control and and if we can through our work together educating people and helping them with planning help them clarify and align the steps that they're taking in their financial lives with their values and their um... and their beliefs and guiding principles for themselves ultimately it's good for everybody and and you know my belief is alignment leads to joy and Happiness and and so that's really part of all the work that that we do for folks.
1: So it's really interesting to hear your backstory and see how it kind of contributes to your selection of this particular. A myth. Now, with every myth, Michael, I say this to every guest, that there's a way in which it can serve us. That's why yeah. it's become a myth. And there's ways in which it gets in the way. And sometimes it's hard to think about the way in which it might help us or serve us. But if someone's listening in and they buy into the idea that philanthropy is only for the super wealthy, how do you think that myth actually can help somebody, even if it's in the short run?
2: Well, it, it may help someone to believe in that myth um, in the short run, um, because it, it may actually avoid them from from making some some critical errors. I mean, I, I'm i a passionate believer that people should be um, educated, fully informed, and make decisions about their money and, and other things um, in life very intentionally. So, in a way, I suppose, uh, you know, b- a, a belief that philanthropy is only for the super wealthy might prevent people from... Making bad decisions and and giving money away to the wrong people or in the in ways that aren 't ultimately beneficial to them one of the for example, one of the first things that we do in our practice in working with people is no matter how charitably inclined they are or how much they care about family, for example, our first principle is to make sure that they 're okay so it 's sort of like the The host says on the airplane, you know, when the when the trouble happens and the and the oxygen mask comes down from the from the ceiling, you know, attach it to yourself first before you attach it to the child or the person next to you. Our first objective is to make sure that that the client's okay. So first and foremost, we want to make sure that. No matter what, you're going to have enough money to meet your needs, um, cash flow to meet your your daily living expenses, and you're not in a in a position of running out of money. So, taking care of basics first is uh, is important. So, in that way, I would say, you know, the, maybe the myth is useful if it keeps people from destroying any financial <laughs> security they have um, before they really. Are planful about
1: it well and that's a good point I mean you want to make sure you're in a position like you said where you can take care of your own needs and, and cover your income and you know cover your expenses and, and do what you need to do with your money before right. you think about gifting it um, so I could see that definitely um, serving a purpose and then it also sounds like it can potentially get in the way for some of the people that you work with so talk a little bit about how this myth can get in the way for somebody who maybe doesn't define themselves as wealthy enough to be be giving to charity.
2: Absolutely. Well, in, in in a number of ways. For example, there are there are so many different um, tools and techniques and and methods of of caring for other people, of of um, of giving to family or um, nonprofits in a way that, that fits within that can fit within one's existing budget. For example Uh, one of the things that that I try to do with folks is show them graphically and kind of run numbers for people and show them how much within their existing situation um, they're paying in taxes. And um, compared to how much they're currently, they may be, let's say, over the course of a year um, making $1,000 of charitable contributions, you know, $50 to the public radio and $100 to the animal shelter or whatever, maybe that adds up to $1,000. If if we simply run some scenarios and show them side by side and compare, if it, almost on a dollar for dollar basis, and it's not exactly that, but almost on a dollar for dollar basis, would you rather be supporting these causes that you care for or... Um, paying taxes and provide, and paying money to the government so the government can do whatever the government does, um, if you had a choice, which would you choose? And and nine times out of ten, especially these days, I find that people are, are A, don't realize they have a choice, and B, will choose to support um, things that they care about and feel like they have more direct impact with than simply spending money or sending money to the government with Without any without any thought,
1: um, there was specific uh, changes around charitable donations. Is there a way, at a very high level, to you know very quickly help us understand is that going to impact what we're talking about in terms of philanthropy for people who are, as I call them, average Joe schmoes like myself? <laughs>
2: yeah, in, in in a way, it's possible that it will. I mean, the the standard deduction for a married couple went up to twenty four thousand dollars for for. Um, 2018 and um, although there's still a a charitable deduction available and actually for for cash donations that actually went up a little bit the uh, um, hitting that threshold and exceeding the standard deduction is going to be a challenge so for a lot of taxpayers what we're doing is encouraging them to use some different vehicles use donor advised funds for example um, or other strategies where they bunch their charitable giving in say every other year or every third year and there are there are strategies that we can use so that their favorite nonprofits continue to receive the annual gifts that they're used to but help clients take advantage of the changes in the tax law so they can still every other year or perhaps every third year um, take advantage of the of the charitable deduction so yeah again I don't want to get too too much into the weeds around the, the changes in the tax code, but um, yes, it has an impact, and for many people, it will mean that the charitable deduction um, may may no longer be available. And for those folks that can um, have you know modest means and can bunch their charitable deductions into several years, then there are ways that we can continue to take advantage of that, and actually actually even improve and simplify the giving process for folks.
1: Well, and what I'm hearing, and I hadn't thought about the creative ways in which you could do it, is what I'm hearing, Michael, is yourself and other advisors out there can really look at what are creative ways that we can help somebody who is charitable continue to not only do the good charitable work they want to do, but also help them still have a tax benefit, and, you know, my sense is if you're focused and specific and and you're driven to give to a certain cause or certain causes that respect your values, that may actually be a more effective financial strategy and strategy yeah. for the receiving organization than the fifty dollars here or there, which certainly I've been guilty yeah. of, as as well as you know I know other people are. Um, so in it's some really, ways, this it, might be a, there might be a silver lining in there.
2: I think so, and and we're actually finding that in, in our practice because we're spending. Much more time with people now helping them take a step back and actually develop a personal charitable giving strategy or a, a personal philanthropic strategy which has some um, has some intentionality. we help people look at for example um, we help them identify you know three or four major categories of uh, uh, care topics that they really care about, for example, it might be. One major category might be the environment, and another one might be, say, um, human rights or refugees or, or something like that, and then kind of take it down to the next level, help them identify what are the organizations that they care about, and then develop a budget around that. And that process, no matter what giving level people are at, I think is incredibly helpful. And, um, yeah, people, again, I what I observe from people is then they – start to feel more aligned with what they're doing and their giving um, becomes less haphazard and sort of responding to, to every postcard that comes in the mail to something that's intentional and feels more aligned with what they really care about and what, have, what they want to have an impact on.
1: And my sense also is that it's a great way to break money silence so with your advisor, but also with the people in your life, right? I hate to yeah. I hate to build in my own work, but um, no, the true. idea of having a conversation that's structured around your values, structured around charitable giving and being intentional leads to some really interesting conversations that maybe people wouldn't have otherwise. And then, you know, they can experience a conversation that's powerful, that's rewarding, um, that isn't the, you know, money conversation that we think of, which is, oh, I'm going to fight with somebody about money. It's actually, oh, we're going to talk about money and it's going to bring joy, uh, to use your word yeah. from earlier.
2: Yeah, it's it's really true. and it And it also, exactly as you said, it opens up it tends to open up the conversation to to the next generation, for example, or other, or other family members um, in interesting and sort of um, organic uh, ways. People get into a routine of thinking or get into the process of thinking more strategically about their philanthropy or the impact that they can have on their dollars and the choices that they have around their dollars than thinking about. Legacy becomes more of a natural conversation. You know, gee, I, I wonder. Once I'm gone, maybe my niece, maybe my niece, who I've started to develop a, a really great relationship, would want to carry on this legacy and, and carry on uh, the grant making from my donor advised fund after I'm gone. Those kinds of conversations. So you're absolutely right. It really does. It's a it's a great vehicle, a great conversation to 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 open up that money silence and and broaden those conversations.
1: Well, I'm excited that you're doing that work at your firm and in your life and you know time goes so quickly on this podcast, but I don't want I don't want to leave without getting a couple of tips from you so um the myth that we're busting wide open is philanthropy is only for the super wealthy and so the new yep. myth I am at or not the new myth the fact is that philanthropy is for everyone. So yeah. given that that's a fact, what advice or what tips would you have for someone who's listening in today for them to get started? In um, in leading or continuing uh, their philanthropic lives.
2: Yeah. Well, I would say the the first thing is don't assume don't well don't let the don't let the tax um, the tax issue drive your your decisions around your gener- generosity or your or your charitable giving. Start with your. Your values, and start with the causes and the things that you care about, and, and begin to be strategic and intentional about your about whatever level of giving that you're that you're doing today. Even if it's you know a couple hundred dollars a year spread across you know uh, a number of twenty five dollar um, contributions, begin with a strategy, and then and then build from there. And have a conversation, open up, and uh, have that conversation with your financial advisor or your accountant or your attorney or um, family members and begin to to open up that conversation. And then I think ultimately that will lead to um, more clarity, alignment, and better decisions about how to use your money and how to have an impact um, to save the world.
1: Well, I am excited that you were on the show today, and one of my key takeaways is don't let the changes in tax laws get you down, and to definitely use this as a great, wonderful excuse to break money silence with the next generation, with people that you love, or even your advisor, dare I say. Um, So, Michael, I really appreciate you um, being on the podcast, and I know um, that if people are interested, they can reach out. We'll have a link to your firm because you do offer a, a complimentary introduction to see if there's a good fit between your firm and, and someone who is reaching out to uh, connect to you. Um, so we'll yep. make that information available. So thank you so much for your time today.
2: Thank you, Kathleen. And thanks for your good work.
0: Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard, then check out more podcasts at breakingmoneysilence.com or subscribe on iTunes.com. Need a fun, engaging speaker for your next event? Go to kbkwealthconnection.com and find out how to book Kathleen today. Be sure to share today's show so together we can break money silence for good.